All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Cheerful dispositions on a rainy day. I love it. Something must be inside that's sunny, huh? Hallelujah. Amen. All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Romans 8.15, if you have one, or turn to your uh, phone, your cellular technology. The times have changed, haven't they? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The message this morning is entitled, Learning to Trust God, and I'll put a subtitle here, Are You an Orphan or Are You Adopted? We're going to be talking about your identity this morning, which uh, Eddie spoke about at the other church, so I think God really wants us to talk about this this morning. Hallelujah. Now listen very carefully. For you, this is written to believers, not to the non-believers, the world. This is to the church and our identity. Hallelujah. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. To fall back into fear. So where were you at before? Fear and there was a spirit of slavery. But you have received the spirit, capital S, which means this is a work of the Holy Spirit in you. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and uh, Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, Lord, you would pour the spirit of adoption into us, Lord, that we would no longer uh, be slaves to fear, and we'd no longer serve you through fear, Lord, but we'd be like sons and daughters, Lord, of you. In your name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. So... There are two options here. And I want to get into the area of learning to trust God and how it affects it whether or not we are sons or whether or not we are slaves. And I think it really affects the church. Eddie was talking this morning how there's an identity problem uh, in America. And a lot of the identity problem is not just the world trying to figure out what they identify as. Uh, but the church uh, doesn't always identify with who they are. And uh, if we don't know who we are in Christ, it's going to affect our ability to trust him. And uh, so that's what I want to get into this morning is the spirit of adoption. When the, when the Bible uses a capital S, uh, that means deity. That means the work of the Holy Spirit has to teach you to be a son or a daughter of Christ. How many of you know when you came to Christ, it took a while to figure out I'm part of the family and he loves me as a loving father and there's lots of obstacles that stop you from recognizing God as your heavenly father. And sometimes we'll say, yes, he's my heavenly father. Yes, I'm part of the family, but we don't always uh, behave like that when times are hard. And so when we're going through the process where we need to trust God, sometimes we're impacted by the fact that we forget that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And so God wants that spirit to do a work in us. If we don't have the spirit of God show us that we're adopted, how can we ever show that love to the world? How can we ever tell the world, like we were listening to that song this morning, I love it, uh, bring your shame, bring your 
guilt. I don't ever remember lyrics. But I bring it all, all who are broken, lay it at the cross. How can we ever give that message that he's willing to take your brokenness? He's willing to take your life. He's willing to take everything that is you. Just lay it down and he'll welcome you as a son or daughter. It's never too late, that song says. How can we bring the message of the good news if we don't know it? And I think the church is struggling with their identity a little bit. And I want to go through that this morning. And if you are, it's okay. All of us, um, as we're going to look into this, all of us have been alienated from God through sin. There's a separation there that Jesus came to die in order for you to acquaint yourself with God as a father. He loves you. He died. uh, He sent his son uh, that whosoever believeth could have the ability to be called the sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. But isn't this interesting? It says, he did not give you a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Do you know that there are a lot of people that serve God as slaves? You say, well, I'm a servant of God. I'm living for him. I'm doing this for him. God, don't you know I'm doing this for you? It's all for you, God. Don't you know? Don't you understand? How could you treat me this way when I'm doing all this for you? And I do believe that we should have a heart of gratitude that wants to pour our lives out to God. But how many know sometimes there's a spirit inside of us that can serve him as a slave and can never understand what it means to be a daughter and a son and to be loved by God. And that's what this message is all about this morning is if we don't learn who we are, and we continue to serve God that way, you might be very accomplished. You might get a lot of things done. You might be one of the biggest go-getters in the kingdom of God, but you may never understand what it means to be adopted and have that spirit tell you that I am a son and I am a daughter. And there's great value, as we're going to get into today, with knowing that. Listen to this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I find this very interesting. He says, for you have countless guides in Christ. NIV says you have 10,000 guides in Christ. Lots of them. There's lots of teachers, people directing you in Christ. How many see that? There's all kinds of people around to direct you toward Christ. And that's a good thing, right? That's all we need. Hmm. Paul said, "Um, you do not have many fathers. For I became a father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And if we stopped there, I'd feel a little better about myself. But he said you have countless guides, 10,000 guides in Christ. These aren't evil guides. They're guides in Christ that are leading you, right? Leaders. And he says, I became a father through Jesus Christ and the gospel. But then he goes on and he says, I urge you. Urge is a strong word here. I urge you then be imitators of me. Quit being just leaders and guides and be fathers. Did you hear that? Paul is calling all of us to be more than just people that are leading people to Christ like the tens of thousands that are. But he wants us to be more like he was a father in the faith. You know, somebody who has that spirit that understands what it means to be fathered. You can't father somebody else unless you understand what it means to be fathered yourself. 
And if we're orphans still, if we have a spirit as orphans, can I tell you something very honestly here? People will come into this church from today until the last day we're on earth looking for fathers. You say, well, I'm a woman. This applies to all of us. It applies to that part of a mother and a father that wants to nurture somebody. And they're looking for that. That's what they're here for. They want to be nurtured. They want to have fathers. They want to have mothers. They want to have something that tells them they belong. And if we don't have that, if we're not fathered and we're not adopted, we're orphans, still, we still have the spirit of fear and still serve out of fear, how can we give that? It's impossible. And so God wants us to understand to serve God as a father and not be slaves to God or servants to God or outsiders to God. I was thinking of a, an example here because there's an epidemic of orphans. An epidemic. Not only do we have a fatherhood problem in America, but even the ones that statistics say their fathers in the home, there are still large absences. How many know that there's not a relationship with fathers and children? And um, not only that, but how many uh, recognize that we have a spiritual fatherlessness? In America, we've got a lot of people in churches that are serving God, like that scripture said, as slaves. They don't have the love, the admiration. How many have ever seen somebody that loves their father? And just the admiration, the love, the, you know, that's my dad. That's my father. And churches aren't full of people that just love their father like that and serve their father out of the abundance of the love of their heart and so we have a an an epidemic of fatherlessness in their country and in the churches I believe and I was thinking of an illustration here of trusting God this is why it dawned on me because God has a process in our lives with which he wants to use us how many know that God has a process he wants you to be used of God but here's the problem and here's what burdens my heart as a pastor, how can we go through the process of faith if we don't trust God? If he's not our father and we don't know that he loves us, how can we possibly go through the process? And I want you to think about this for a second, uh, vending machine. I mean, vending machines haven't always been around. You couldn't go through the Middle East in Jesus' time and walk up and say, oh man, I wish I had some change in my robe. There's a vending machine right there. But how many know that vending machine has went through a lot of processes? There is a Hershey's candy bar in there, almonds, chocolate. And if I didn't know any better and I didn't understand technology, I wouldn't realize all the processes that went into that. How many know you have to have the ingredients at the factory? You have to mass produce it. You have to get all the ingredients delivered. You have to have all the marketing to make me want to know that I want a Hershey's chocolate bar. Then you've got the technology that allows you to change a dollar, allows you to get the coins, it allows you to, now we can put our credit card on there, right? Then you've got the delivery people that load it, you've got the people that take the change out, you've got the people that do the, all the, all, how many know, that's a lot of processes. But if I weren't smart and didn't understand processes, I would just think that that little box makes them. 
And they just show up there, it goes away, and a new one pops up. And sometimes when we read the Bible, it's like that. We think if God is going to use somebody, Moses was just there and ready to be used. Joseph was just there. God said, okay, I'll take one of those with almonds. That looks like a little nutcase right there. Let's take Joseph. Let's be very careful to understand the process that they went through. you got to become the person that God needs you to be to fulfill the plans that God has for your life. In order to do that, you have to endure the process. How many know process is important? That's why the candy bar can be enjoyed in the vending machine because of very sharp processes. Well, God has a process of faith. And that faith depends on the fact that you trust him. If you don't trust him as a father, you're probably not going to endure the process. You're probably not going to be what he's called you to be if you can't endure the process. And so God, let's look at Joseph real quick. It says in Psalm 105, 19, in the NLT translation, listen to this. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Wow. So there came a time for the dreams to be fulfilled. Let me give you a rundown of Joseph fast. Joseph had dreams. God called him to do great things, incredible things. I mean, it's very similar to everybody in the Bible. God's seen something in them, but he was like, wait, not time yet. So a lot of times we don't recognize how severe Joseph's life was. Can you imagine being a boy sharing your dreams with your large family of what God's going to do in your life and you think they're going to be excited but you're naive, you don't recognize they're going to be jealous and your dad's favorite? And so he gets sold into slavery by his brothers. They wanted to kill him. But just imagine how harsh this is for a teenage boy to be sold into slavery and became an orphan. That's crazy, isn't it? Gets into the new land, goes into a hardcore prison at a very young age for being falsely accused of assaulting the lady of the house, which he did not do, and spent all those years in prison and God gave him no words that we're aware of that this is what you're going through. This is just the process to prepare you to fulfill the dream. We got to recognize that he was an orphan and he did not understand But he still trusted God through the process because he knew that he had a father that loved him. And he didn't even have his own father in his life at the time. Moses, you say, well, Moses was ripe for the picking. He was definitely qualified. Moses had some things in him that were good. He was very well educated. You know, growing up in the palace, he became an orphan again. You know, his mother had to send him off. Then he was raised in the palace, had a great education. So why would God just not pull him out of the vending machine and say, it's time, Moses? He just wasn't ready. He had no humility whatsoever. So look at all these crazy jobs that Moses did in the process. He goes on the backside of the desert from the palace, becomes a shepherd, works in the worst parts of the wilderness, the same wildernesses, that he would be leading a million people. And how many know God was preparing him and giving him something he didn't have, 
which was humility. And so this is the process, but how do we go through that process? And how does this adoption thing affect it? I find the adoption thing very fascinating. Listen to this other scripture on the Bible. Ephesians 1.4 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Do you hear that? Adoption is what he chose to use. And I find that really fascinating. Because adoption immediately brings the picture of two sets of families. Why don't you just say sons and daughters? Why adoption? Do you recognize that? By using the word adoption, we're called predestined into adoption as sons and daughters. That implies two potential families. The one that you... There's the one family, and then there's the adoptive family. And so God is saying, I am the adoptive family. I'm the adoptive father. I'm the one who who is taking you out of this situation... And putting you in this situation. And I need you to recognize that that's what you are now. I need you to recognize there's been a change of name. There's been a change of location. You've been adopted by me. And it's very critical that you understand that. So you don't have a spirit of fear, he says. And so as we go into this. We've got to figure out what is it that I need to understand in this process and why is it affected if I don't understand that I'm his son, right? Here's four things that you become very important when you are uh, becoming the person God's called you to be. Four qualities that are critical to understanding the process, right? Number one is, In fact, uh, two questions before I get into the four. What are the areas of character that God has to build inside of me in order for me to be strong enough to fulfill the dreams God has for my life? Have you ever thought about that? Think about it. Pray about it. What are the character issues that God needs to work on in me to fulfill the dreams he has for my life? That's something to think about. And here's another thing. How do I respond to the process when God tries to develop that character? Because all the Bible is, is a whole list of people that went through the process and how they responded to the process. And sometimes, let's be totally honest, sometimes in the Bible they responded well, and sometimes they didn't respond very well. And sometimes they responded well later because they responded so badly before, right? But the Bible is just telling us how to respond to the process because he has plans for you. Here's four things you need to think about in the process that are very important. Number one, how do I view God? Remember I said you're either going to be a slave or you're going to be a son or a daughter. So how do I see God? Number one, is God distant in my life? Is God distant in my life? So I'm going through the process, but I picture God as a distant God. Let me know a son doesn't, somebody who's truly a son and loves his dad and is close to his dad does not see that father as distant. But how many know that a lot of very genuine believers, sincere, see God as distant? 
So if God is a distant God or a distant father and you go through the process, how are you going to react? Let me give you my answer here. I'm on my, I'm on my own, so I need to take control of my life. You say, well, man, I'm an awful person. None of the Bible people did that. You guys ever heard of Abraham? You ever heard of Moses? You ever heard of all these people of faith? Guess what they did? They tried to take control and had to understand that I can trust my father. And so if you feel like he's distant or he is distant, then that's something that God is working on in this process. And what's he doing? He's saying, I'm close to the brokenhearted. Like, I'll be close to you through the process. Understand that. Don't distance yourself from me. But what do we do? We isolate. We assume God is not there. We assume he's not in control. We assume all of these things and God becomes distant because we won't let him in. And God doesn't want to be a distant father. Number two, do you view God as a judge? God ultimately is, but he's also my loving father. If I picture God as a judge only, here's what I'm going to say. I'm always messing up, so why don't I just quit? Do you understand there's nowhere in there that a loving father can have room? Nowhere. I just keep messing up. He doesn't love me. Doesn't that sound like a kid that's not close to his dad? Punisher. I deserve to suffer. I'm a failure. And so I'm therefore very negative about life in this process. How many have ever seen negativity during the process? Here's the loving father though. How do I view God? God cares and is training me daily. So I'm free to make mistakes and grow. Let me think that sounds like a loving father and somebody who understands it. Hallelujah. So number one, what's your view of God? Number two, how do you deal with your past? I mean, no, when you're in the process, the past is really important. Paul says this. He says, what is more, this is Philippians 3.8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ My Lord, for whose sake I lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That's the guy that's forgotten his past. We know our past affects the process. How does the past affect the process? Because in the past, people have broken our trust. It may be directly a father. And if it's directly a father, guess what you're going to do to God? You're going to attribute your past to God. You're going to attribute your father to God the Father. You're going to attribute every failure you've ever had, every relationship that's ever been broken. And so i got to ask you today, are you like Paul, that you're reaching as hard as you can toward the future and you're forgetting the past? Say so the next thing, are you looking forward? Paul says, I look forward to the mark of the high calling. How many know when you go through the process, there's a high calling in your life for God to use you? But if you're not looking forward... Guess where you're looking? Can you imagine starting a hundred yard dash and they say, go, and you're looking back at the guy that did the gun and you're looking back at all the people watching 
And boy, that's not a very good race, is it? That's not a race that you're going to win. That's not a race you may finish. And how many know that so many of us are looking at the past so much that we're just not looking forward at all? We're just not looking for the high calling. What's the high calling? That's enduring the process, knowing that my father loves me. Do you think Joseph was loved when he was in prison by God? He was. How is that possible? (laughs) He was. Do you think Moses on the backside of the desert when his life was essentially over, do you think God loved him? That's the process. That's what God makes us endure. And you say, well, man, I'm going through hard things, though. If it was worse than Joseph being put in an Egyptian dungeon and Moses on the backside of the desert, I mean, those are pretty harsh things in the Bible. And it's not just them. It's almost every person. You know, I was thinking about Esther. You know, Esther was abandoned as a child and raised by her uncle because both of her parents died. She was an orphan. You know, Ruth, uh, her, her Her, Orpah, and Naomi, all three lost their husbands. They were all three widows, and God did something great. How many know the Bible is just about enduring processes for God to use you, and God's got plans, God's got purposes wherever you're at? The last thing, the fourth thing that you've got to remember when you're in a process, how good of a learner am I? (laughs) All right, so how do I view God? Am I looking at the past? Am I looking forward? And the fourth thing is, how good of a learner am I? How many would consider yourself a good learner? (laughs) It's okay to mess up. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to do it the wrong way. But we need to be learning. We need to always be learning about what God's trying to teach us in this process called life. You say, well, man, if God would just identify where he's working with me and where he's not, he's working every day through your circumstances. Working every day through your family. He's working every day through life. And that is the process. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the orphaned heart because that's what God led me to in this message. How many know there is an orphan heart? A spirit of fear that is in slavery. And an orphan is somebody, just picture yourself as an orphan. You've lost um, that one group of people that were supposed to be there for you. For whatever reason, it could have been something out of their, their control. I mean, you know, it happens every day. People die in accidents. People you know, go off to war. People have all kinds of reasons. You know, sometimes they're there, but there's alcoholism, there's drug addiction, there's divorces. How many know there are lots of reasons why your heart gets broken? And so that's what I'm talking about, this broken heart that has nobody. And the first thing you begin to revert to is, I better do things on my own because nobody's going to be there for me. How many have ever felt that way? In fact, we have a lot of good terminologies, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, you know, doing things, you know, being self-made. Those are great terms because sometimes you have to survive, right? But how many know there comes a day when that orphan heart gets adopted? And now things change. The game changes now. I'm not on my own anymore. I don't have to lift myself 
from the bootstraps anymore. I don't have to be penniless anymore. I don't have to be homeless anymore. Now things have changed, but what happens if that heart never changes? What if they go into the home of a loving family that has given everything because they love them, they want to lavish it on them? How many know the adoptive home is usually better than where they came from? And God is saying, that's what I want to be. I don't want you to do it on your own anymore. I don't want your resources anymore. I don't want you to feel like you're alone and have everything to do on your own. And there are people all over America in churches. I'm not talking about the world. And they're still serving God like they're an orphan. And God's saying, and they're saying, I messed up. Um, God's not going to fix this. God's not going to help me. God doesn't care about me. God's left me all alone. God has not forgiven me. God sees how bad I am. God sees that I messed up. God sees, and how many know that we've got all these attitudes just simply most of the time because we don't understand that's my dad. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And that's why I love him so much. That's why I love my new home. That's why I love my new father. That's why it's not like it used to be. That's why the past is gone. How many think a kid that's an orphan should sit there and think about what life used to be like? Forget it. It's gone. It's gone. They have no legal right to you anymore. They're gone. Put it in the past and let's look forward to the future. What is the future? Eddie talked about it in his message this morning. You are this. You are this. You are this, you are washed, you are regenerated, you are called, you are holy, you are all these things. Why do you keep going back with that orphan spirit and saying, I'm this? You're not that anymore. It's not even your name anymore. It's not your people anymore. You have a new name. Hallelujah. Are you getting this, church? Is the Holy Spirit telling you that you're adopted? Hallelujah. I get excited just thinking about it. Hallelujah. All right, what does an orphan spirit look like? It is an attitude that causes your mind to sense abandonment, loneliness, alienation, and isolation. Everybody's looking at me like, that is so foreign, I've never heard of that. Chad, go preach that somewhere else, it doesn't belong here. How many have ever felt abandoned? There's scars there. Every orphan still has scars. And they're still learning how to be loved. Right? You say, well, I've never been an orphan. We all have. We all were like sheep that were lost. And we were found. Right? So if you're struggling with abandonment, loneliness, alienation, and isolation, you haven't fully received that spirit. They're still healing that God's doing. I got good news for you. He's healing all of us. God is healing every heart, every week, every moment. And when we're in the process and it's hard, what do we do? We immediately feel the scars of abandonment, loneliness, alienation, isolation. And then he tries to come back and say, you're that same little orphan. You got no God. And we got to say, no, I know who I am. This is a process. Hallelujah. Do you operate out of the spirit of an orphan? I found a list here. I like this list. Or am I a true adopted son or daughter? Ask yourself these questions. 
These are those who operated out of the spirit of being an orphan. Do I operate out of insecurity? I mean, know that an adopted child is secure. Especially when you're in God's house. Everything that you need, he says, is here. Everything for life and godliness. If we're operating out of insecurity, I mean, no, that's an, an orphan spirit. Am I jealous of other people's success? Why would I be jealous? My father loves me. My father loves me. I'm his favorite. I'm favored by God. Why would I be jealous of another person? Do I serve God to earn his love? I'll move on. Nobody here's ever done that. Nobody's ever done it to earn it, right? Do I struggle with my self-worth? Am I driven with the need to succeed? Do I use people to accomplish my goals? Am I always in competition with others? Do I lack self-esteem? Do I receive my identity from my possessions, my appearance, or my activities? If you answered yes to any of these, it's safe to say you need some healing. I mean, no, we're all being healed. That's a good thing. You say, well, man, Chad, I struggled at one time, but I'm 100% now. I mean, oh, this is a journey for life. All of us. When we're operating out of a spirit of adoption, it says we are secure. We celebrate the accomplishments of others. We experience acceptance from God. We fill emotional voids with intimate time with our Father who we love. We allow the Spirit to lead us into our calling. Do you see the difference between being led into your calling and trying to perform? One is a servant and a slave. The other is a child that does it out of the abundance of love. Hallelujah. We serve others and provide opportunities for them to grow to their destiny in Christ. We don't use anger or other forms of manipulation to get our way. We bless people around us. We share the Father's love with other people. We love ourselves and exhibit healthy self-esteem. We're grounded in our identity, which is in our Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Now I came across nine things that an orphan spirit will do, and this is just to help us. This is just to say, man, I may have that, and God, I need you, your spirit to show me that I'm adopted, right? Number one, they are hypersensitive. Hmm. I'm trying to see who that is. Somebody's going to be sensitive when I say that. It says, those with an orphan spirit walk around with a spirit of rejection. Hence, they're hypersensitive and unconsciously assume people are against them. Do you feel like people are against you? Consequently, they're easily offended and overreact to minor infractions and experience continual misunderstandings with people. How many know it's very easy? This isn't a bad thing. Don't, don't, don't. Remember what, what the song said, leave your shame and your guilt at the cross. We're moving forward here. We're not going to let the enemy keep fooling us, right? Spirit of rejection. Have you ever walked around feeling like people are against you? When God is with me, who can be against me? There will be lots of people against you, but that spirit of rejection comes to an orphan because they don't know God is with them. Hallelujah. Two, they don't know how to be a spiritual parent. Leaders in the body of Christ should first and foremost function as spiritual fathers 
that can nurture young believers. When new people come into the church, they yearn for a spiritual parent. And how many know it's hard to be a parent when you have a hard time being a son or a daughter? So we got to experience his love. How do you experience his love? You let him take all your weakness, all your insecurity, all the past, and you let him just love you. You let him show his grace and his mercy. And guess what's going to happen when somebody walks in and they're the lowest of the low? You're going to say, man, he loved me when I was there. But how many know if you haven't received it, guess what you're going to do? You're going to display that rejection. You're going to display that, you know, you better work hard, you know, and and you can maybe get to the level, you know, and and we just can't do that, church, not in this day we live in. Hallelujah. They're always in competition with others, even in the church. It says, the lack of affirmation by a father contributes to an orphan spirit. Those in orphan spirit constantly strive to prove themselves to others. Constantly in their striving, they compete with each other. I mean, no, this is to Christians. We don't want that competition. We want to do everything out of love because our Father loves us. We're not in competition with each other. Hallelujah. They're driven by search for significance because of lack of affirmation from their Father. Those in orphan spirit constantly strive to succeed. Hence, they rarely rest and they have a quest to elevate themselves among others to feel good about themselves. They're driven by personal ambition rather than being led by the Holy Spirit. Boy, can you see the spirit of serving or slavery as opposed to the spirit of adoption? <laughs> no more clearer than that one. Hallelujah. They rarely interpret reality correctly. Those with an orphan spirit interpret everything through the lens of abandonment, rejection, and disappointment. So when you go through a process that's hard, what are you going to do? Disappointment and rejection. And, and church, we just can't keep doing that. Hallelujah. Ryan, come on up here. I'm going to finish these last couple here. Actually, hmm. we got a quick meeting we have to have after church here. I'm going long. forgot all about my meeting. I'm sorry. I'm getting into this. They're always looking for approval and recognition. An orphan spirit has a massive void that they can't feel. Their pain is so great they look for temporary relief by getting people to notice them and receive their accolades. Until and unless the Lord heals the wounds, they will always have a life seeking the approval of other people. How many can see that? We see that in family environments. Eight, they rarely submit to spiritual authority. The orphan spirit has a difficult time understanding how to be a son to another father. Hence, they have difficult trusting anyone enough to receive correction or genuinely submit to authority. The Lone Ranger spirit is often people that have just been orphaned. How many know that? How many know that's hard for some people? To trust somebody enough to let them speak into their life because they see only through that lens of rejection abandonment. How many think this is good stuff? Hallelujah. You guys all probably know somebody you could tell this stuff to, right, that needs this. (laughs) We all need it. Hallelujah. We all need it. Hallelujah. Here's the last one. They have a difficult time relating to God as their father. The orphan spirit either view God as harsh or distant. 
and that he cannot be fully trusted. This because growing up they experienced abandonment from authority figures. Transferring that view onto God. May the Lord use teachings like these to open your eyes. This is something I got from somebody. How many know this is good? Good stuff. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to have a quick meeting. And um, I just want to encourage you. Um, the best thing that you can do action-wise as I close in prayer is um, read the Bible and read the process. What did they all go through, each one of them? What were their circumstances? How would I react if I were in those circumstances? And chances are you are in those circumstances right now, or you're about to go through it, or you just got out of it. And so start evaluating, start finding a prayer partner and saying, hey, pray with me the thing you're talking about I'm going through. And you say, well, man, I'm just going through that because I'm messed up and everybody else in here isn't. Be honest with each other. This is the enemy that I told you defeated David a few weeks ago. David was a type A ultimate optimist. And he got defeated by these things inside of him, this discouragement, this disappointment, this depression. You know, we're all struggling with things. And the quicker we find prayer partners who will be honest with us, pray with us, and just say, hey, you know, I struggle with this sometimes. I struggle with rejection. I struggle with, you know, these things. And so that's why God put us here together to pray over these issues. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, and I just want you to, like I said, if you need prayer after, we're, we'll be here we're always here a couple hours after for prayer. and so. Uh, but then we're going to go right in our meeting. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And uh, Lord, I just pray that this um, message would minister to every person, Lord. Let nobody think it's just them, Lord. It's all of us. And I just pray that you minister healing. Paul wrote it to the whole church that we receive a spirit of adoption. Today, I pray that that spirit would just fall upon your people that they would know how much you love them and how good our Father is and how good our household is and how we lack nothing, Lord God, even in the middle of hard times. We can know that all the time, Lord God, that we have a good, good Father. And Lord, I'm so thankful for this, Lord. And just bless your people, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Everybody can be seated really quickly. <clears throat> I could have my board up here.